This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God and Father and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's a new day, but we're going the same place. So open up to Haggai. So we're going into Haggai, and as we're headed there in our journey that's taken us from Genesis, heading towards Malachi, I just want, now stay in Haggai, it's fine. I'm going to start with our gospel text. So I just want to lay the foundation again so you see how these things all connect. Haggai doesn't sit out alone. Haggai's got a lot to say and some things Jesus spoke about. This is Luke 14, but stay there, right? Haggai uh, chapter 1 and 2, that's where we're going to be headed. This is Luke 14. I'm going to read a few opening verses for you. One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. Behold, there's a man before him who had dropsy, and Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And then the verses you see behind me, verse 5 and 6 of Luke 14, And he said to them, Which of you... Which of you having a son or an ox that's fallen into a well on a Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. They had all these perfect rules about what you could and couldn't do on the Sabbath. But all their rules fell apart if one of their things needed help. It was fine to tell others dictates. This is the way it must be. But the moment it became one of their things, they had no answer. Now, I realize this is years ago. How many of you remember the name Baby Jessica? She was a little girl that fell in the well in Texas. Uh, and it took a real long time. There've been, and there have been other crises since. I realize uh, the youth in caves and other things. But just talk about falling in a well. And there's not a single person, not a single person who would have said, well, before we go get to baby Jessica, we need to check first, is it the Sabbath? So you chuckle at it a little bit only in the sense of, that's a silly thing to say. Yeah, but that's how firm these leaders and teachers were to speaking to Jesus. Hey, you know, remember, here's the rules. Until he goes, but what if it was your thing? Now, where this changes as we turn to Haggai, as we'll get there, is to realize they forget that Jesus has that much passion for you and for me. He'd do anything for you, even if it was a Sabbath day. They forget Jesus has so much of a love for the world, but they're just talking to Jesus as if he's just another teacher of the law. They don't recall that he actually made the law. They don't recall he actually created the world. <laughs> they don't see that at all, though Jesus is standing there before them. So they loved their stuff, Jesus loves his stuff. And his stuff happens to include you. You're God's stuff. And if you don't like stuff as a phrase because you're like, I'm more than stuff, I know you are. I'm just trying to make sure you understand the connection that people matter to God. Every single one of them, including all of your names individually and corporately. So when we go in to talk about Haggai, the backdrop of Luke is stuff stuff and what we do. Now, as you look into Haggai, before we uh, dive in, 
It's important to recall it's 957, roughly, when the first temple is completed. A temple that David had asked God, can we build? And I went into a whole lot more detail in Bible class just before the service this morning uh, and shared God didn't have a heart for that first temple. The heart first came from David. David wanted to build that temple. And God said, no, David. It's going to have to be Solomon's. And then David said, well, great. I'll just do what? Set aside the money, make the plans, lay it all out, have it all set, have it all prepared. But I'm not building it, God. That'll definitely be Solomon. And then he said to Solomon, you can start now. So, of course, he didn't get involved at all, right? I mean, how human is that, right? So the violation is here, so I won't violate. I'll just come right here. Violation would be here, but I'm not going to violate. I'll just stay right here. The, the, the dabbling of crossing that line. So it's this second temple. Uh, the temple is destroyed uh, in the exile. Uh, so it actually will, uh, in 605, 595, 587, the temple's destroyed. And now we're coming back in Haggai. It's around 520. And here is what we get. Why are we rebuilding? Why, declares the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Anybody have plans for their house on this extended three-day weekend? A little project you need to get done? No one wants to admit it. That's right. It's the pastoral trap. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the trap. Do you have that project laid out? And you're like, I'm not falling for this one. Well, don't. Because <laughs> this one's a trap. Why? Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because my house lies in ruins and each of you busies himself. Now, recall, when the first temple was being built, God wasn't eager to, to do that. He said the tabernacle was fine, but now he's concerned about the temple because people were so consumed by their house, their stuff. They're worried about getting their things in line, and God goes, maybe it's not just about your stuff. But God keeps moving in them. Haggai 1 verse 14, And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatiel, governor of Judah. Working through, isn't this neat? God's working through a, come on, you can say it, it's safe, you can mix them. Thank you, someone said it. God worked through a politician, a governor. Don't worry, it gets great. The high priest and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and here's where your minds are blown. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. Now, some of you are like, well, this is kind of an exception. This is a different time. The governor's still a governor. Yeah, I know, but uh, let God be God. He does miraculous things, things that seem beyond our understanding. God actually has them all stirred up. The people are given a task, restore the temple, rebuild it. It's not there. Why? Because you got so focused on your stuff, they all came back from exile after decades of being away in Babylon, and they said, man, we got to rebuild the family house. we got to rebuild up what was taken from us. And God goes, well, before you make it all about you, don't forget me. Remember who I am. So just like the Pharisees, who were very good at telling others what to do uh, or not to do on certain days, remember the people couldn't respond, the priests and Pharisees couldn't respond when Jesus calls them on our own hypocrisy and says, yeah, but you'd violate the very laws you're telling us when we come to temple if it involves your animal, 
if it involves a member of your family. So we ask the great question of the scriptures. So what does this mean to me? Because most of you will not travel to Jerusalem today, am I correct? Few of you have airline tickets to go. Few of you will probably go uh, see the Wailing Wall today. You're, you're not looking. You don't have shovels in hand. You're not looking to build. So what's going to happen to us? Well, we have to remember not to lose focus. See, this is the reading as we've been going from Hebrews chapter 12, now chapter 13 over the last several Sundays. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 and 9. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. The weird thing about diverse and strange teaching is that they don't seem diverse or strange when we hear them. If you thought they were diverse and strange, you would never have followed it, right? I mean, most people who are leading you astray don't say, man, I got a sweet thing to follow if you want to ruin your life. Let's go. Life ruiners. Come on. Let's go. That's not normally how diverse and strange teaching works. It sounds really, really good. Why is it that we have problems stopping eating candy on Halloween night. You know this. It's so good. For whatever reason, they made a Milky Way bar to taste like it is water. And you just keep eating them. And you wake up and your mother or father goes, did you not have two bags of candy when I put you in bed? And as kids, we were never real good at what? Hiding all the wrappers. We hid most. One always got away, and they'd find us out. Strange and diverse teaching. So what's the new teaching? I want to read to you an extended section from Hebrews. You can stay right there in, in Haggai, because it just gives you a setting of, yeah, we're, we're dealing with an Old Testament prophet by looking at what God has said through the rest of history. This is Hebrews chapter 13, 1 to 6. Sometimes the Bible just says it better than we can. So this is Hebrews 13, 1 to 6. New teaching comes in and tells us, oh, we've got to do all this. But here's what God asked of us, those following the Christ. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them. And those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body, let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money. Be content with what you have. For as he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can say confidently, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You catch the end of that at verse 6. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? See, with joy, we respond to a God who says, I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. I'm with you in the midst of this. As the people came back from exile, God goes, I'm with you. So if the Lord is our helper and he's not going to forsake us, what does Haggai have to do with us today? Let's just try a few things on for size. Have you ever made fixing your HVAC system more important than coming to church? Have you ever made appointments with your auto mechanic a greater priority than gathering with fellow Christians to study God's Word? Are your account balances more important than friendships? Is letting children rest on Sunday morning more important than learning the Scriptures? 
Do you believe that the promises that you made as parents or as family when a child was baptized mattered? Do you believe that you actually publicly said, I'm going to raise this child to understand the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, and the creeds, to understand the basics of the faith, or is that just something you did on that day, and man, it was a sweet photo? You see, Haggai's all about people getting their priorities just a little bit askew. But you can justify a skewed priorities very, very well. We're real good at this as church people. You ready? It's not my house. Because my house is God's house. And I use my house for God. So when I don't go to church to care for my house, I'm actually caring for God's house. See, when I don't go to Bible study and I care for my lawn, but I, I, I don't have any time for that because I have to keep up my house, which is God's house. So I can't gather with you because I'm caring for God's. Because I know God made all things, including the house that God blessed me with, so I'm caring for it, therefore I'm caring for God. Do you see how this works? You can make anything sound acceptable if you just add God to it, right? It's a great trap in Christian circles. If you think someone's going to offend you, just say, well, I prayed about it. So you prayed and God told you to never gather in a Bible study. Really? That's interesting. Huh. I prayed God said that uh, I shouldn't come to church for this month because I, I need to explore creation. I get vacations. I get it. I mean, if, if you plan that, please go. I, mean, I get it. But you all know I'm not talking about a vacation. <laughs> you know, God told me that I, I, will, I will hear from him in other ways. Do you know who else said that they'd hear from God in other ways? The people of Israel when they stopped listening to the prophets, when they stopped listening to God's word and said, well, you know, we have another truth. The problem with lies is they're what? How close to the truth? Razor thin difference. That's what makes them hard. Because as I said earlier, no one says, sweet, there's some lies over here. Come on, guys. Come on. Let's go. None of you are getting up. You're like, well, because it's the illustration in a sermon. Of course we're not going to get up and follow your lies. But we do it in our lives. When we set aside the truth of God's word, one of the things that's blown me away as we've been reading through the scriptures this year is the many of you who go, how awesome it's been to be accountable to read the scriptures together. Because I've been in church for many years, but you know what? I've never actually read the Bible. We've read excerpts, but we've never actually read it as God's narrative. We've just read excerpts but we get pulled aside. We, we forget the win. I want to share with you a little story of someone who, who kind of gets this off. Anyone know the name George Bolt? All right. Well, you'll meet him this morning. So George Bolt uh, is a famous person who ran hotels. How many of you heard of the Waldorf Astoria? He ran it. So in the turn of the 20th century, George Bolt uh, rose to fame and became quite a wealthy man. And he decided that one of the things he wanted to do was set aside an island for his wife. Ready? Men, we all will pale in comparison to this. I'm sorry. So he decides to build to his wife a home uniquely for her on Hart Island. I know, Hart Island. Come on, man. 300 workers build Bolt Castle at all times. Tragedy strikes. She dies at the young age of 42. And the moment he gets word, a message is sent to those workers. It's built up in the Finger Lakes. 
And for decades, it sits vacant because George Bolt wrote immediately to all the workers when she died and said, stop. You will not lift another finger or put another brick. It's pointless if she's dead. It never is completed. Now, someone will Google search me and you'll find out, yes, Pastor, it actually is completed in the late 70s when someone takes it over and it turns into a museum you can see. Yeah, I know. I went to it. That's how I know about it. But as it sits there, George Bolt missed it. He got wrapped up in building something and forgot it was actually not just about building something. You see, when that physical reality of building, when his wife died, he had no purpose. And it seemed like everything imploded. We have to be cautious as a church. <laughs> We're pretty excited about land, <laughs> building, and doing stuff. I'm all in, man. I'm serious. I think it's awesome what God's doing. I'm blown away. I don't want any, I'm not second-guessing. I'm just here and be cautious. Because when you start getting stuff, stuff changes you. Right now, none of you care that this morning's coffee is brought to you by the broken coffee pot, repaired coffee pot that we got back on warranty and lots of other drama that happened to get you your cup of coffee. Thank you, all people involved in getting coffee. It took more than you knew because you think it magically happens. This morning, it was not magic. <laughs> but I share that because stuff changes us. And the moment we get stuff, we're going to start saying, well, you know, we got to make sure to do God's house. I'm, I'm in, man. I get it. But don't ever make God's house code for not gathering around Bible study. Don't make God's house code for I don't have to be in worship. Don't make God's house code for I haven't been to the communion rail in nine months. There are lots of things that we make code for in churchy terms that gets us away from God. You know what happens when Peter loses sight of Jesus? He sinks. The moment we lose sight of Jesus, we will sink. That's exactly what Hebrews 13 reminds us. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led away by strange and diverse teachings. Some of you are like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the lookout for those strange and diverse teachings. They sneak into congregations. And it's fun things like, well, come on, Pastor, you know that our future chairs have to recline. You know they have to have coffee holders. You know the church, you promised us it would have stadium seating. Just to get that one out, it doesn't. Some of you are still holding out. I'm saying. But it'll have everything that we need. But strange and diverse teaching comes in, and we get this idea, well, we can't, we can't operate without those things. <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> and God will do just fine. But realize Haggai's got more to say to you today than you ever knew. Because Haggai was a people who had gotten caught up in other things, and they needed to be drawn right back to realize caring for God's temple, caring for his house of worship, so that Christ would be the same yesterday, today, and forever was central not only to them, but to you and to me. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, 
We hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 930 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.